Good morning. We're in a series, Just Okay is Not Okay. Uh, love those commercials. This is the last week of the series. How many of you have enjoyed this? Been challenging, right? And, and, and I want to talk to that from, from, uh, in just a minute, but I want to say something um, first. Alex uh, said earlier when we were worshiping that we need to understand that it's, it's actually okay to not be okay. Okay, I'm going I'm to wrap up the confusion here in just a second because we're talking about being not just okay is not okay. And he said it's okay to not be okay. I think sometimes when we come into the church world, we think we have to come in perfect or at least we put on this, this um, facade, this mask that everything is perfect. And we look at each other knowing that we're not. It's just dumb, Right? And so we try to tell you, it's actually okay to not be okay. You don't have to be fake. This is a safe place, or at least I wish it was more of a safe place for you. That it's okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to stay just okay. Right? Doesn't that work? That can, wraps up the confusion. It's okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to just stay okay. And here's why that's true. We've been talking about this that a lot of times we won't settle for okay in a lot of areas of our lives. We don't want our marriages to just be okay. We don't want our, our life that we have with our children and our family and our friends to just be okay. We want the best. We want it to be fulfilling. We want all those things. We want our job to be make us all those things. We're not okay with those things being okay. But we'll settle for okay in our spiritual journey. And here's what I want to tell you. I'm not going to go into a whole thing funny about okay because we've done that. I want to say this, and I want to say it um, for us to hear it and, and really understand it. Settle for okay in any area of your life. That's what I would tell you. Settle for okay in any area of your life, but don't settle for okay in your spiritual life. Anywhere else, settle for okay. I don't care. But if there is one place that you should never settle for okay, it would be your spiritual journey. Here's the deal. We believe that Jesus changes everything. We believe that when Jesus shows up in our hearts and lives, he changes everything, especially when we surrender and say, here's my heart, here's my life. And so when Jesus shows up, he changes your mind, your mouth, and your mission. That the way we think begins to change. The way we speak begins to change. The way we act and the mission that we're on has less to do with our will and more to do with God's will. And we want to raise up a people that we come beside and say, we want to help you be like Jesus. Because that's God's goal and that's God's plan for your life. And so we can look at our lives and we can say, well, the things I think aren't always what I think Jesus would think. And the things I say are definitely not the things I think Jesus would say. How many would confess that? And the way in which I often behave and act and the mission I find myself on is not always the mission that God would have me on. And so we need God. And we need each other. And so God has given us himself and he's given us the church. And when I say the church, I am not talking about an institution that everybody gets to take pot shots at. And I'm not talking about buildings all over the world. I'm talking about the people of God. He has given us each other. And we ought to stop acting like everything's okay and begin to let people in so that we can become everything God's called us to be. And that's going to require some work. That's going to require getting down to some serious intentionality. And so we're talking today about relationships, that when we settle for okay in our earthly relationships, we're settling for lives focused mostly on ourselves. 
Okay, I'm making a statement. I'm not presenting a truth to you. I'm just saying that what okay in relationships looks like is really relationships where at the center of those relationships is self. Those relationships don't go well. And they're just okay. And God has a better plan for our relationships than just that. And it begins with his. So we come into this world with a heart problem. Okay, we have a heart problem. We come into this world with a heart problem. It's called a sin nature. It's called the rebellion of Adam and Eve wrapped up in humanity, sown all through the ages. We have a sin nature. We have a desire to do what we want, not what God wants. And those desires are in our hearts. And so we come into this world with a heart problem. The sin nature is the stubborn, self-centered attitude that says, my way or the highway. No, nobody in the room has that issue in their life, right? In any area of our life. We do in a lot of areas of our life. We say, I want my will, my plan, my way, or you can get lost. And so the sinful nature is all about self, self-pleasing, promoting self, preserving self. And I have a sin nature. I don't know if you knew that, but I have one of those. Did you know that? So do you. But God wants to come and transform us from the inside out. And that's the journey that we're on here. It's a heart journey. So the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. I'm going to say it again. When we think about the problems in our world and the problems that we face, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. We have a heart problem. Following Jesus is a heart journey. That's what this is about. It's about your heart. We're up here to champion your heart. And your heart doesn't always want to be championed. It is a heart journey, but hear me, we like to follow our hearts. That's what we like to do. It's a heart journey, but we like to follow our hearts. And here's what I would tell you. The human heart is not something to follow, but something that needs to be led. This is where we're going to roll. We're going to roll right into this. Let me just tell you this morning, there is gonna, there, you're going to feel tension in this message. You're going to feel the desire to make excuses at the end of this. You're going to feel the desire to say, I don't even know where to begin and not start. I would tell you that this is probably for us as a church one of the most important messages we need to hear as a people. This is going to carry us into the things that God would have us do. But we need to listen and we need to not make excuses and we need to fight through the tension. And sometimes that looks like not trying to figure it out in your own head, but sitting with a bunch of people who love Jesus with you and say, what do we need to do here? What is God calling us to? And what does it look like? And I want to paint that picture. So the human heart is not something to follow, but something to be led. And if we follow our hearts, relationships will always be just okay. But if we let our hearts be led by God, they will grow and flourish. So culture tells us, follow your heart. It's become a creed for many, a statement of faith, a way to live life. It's a gospel. It's good news for people, if you will, that's celebrated in stories and movies and songs. Shot to the heart, and you are to blame. Darling, you give love a bad name. Some of you are like, I recognize that. Some of you just like are singing it right now in your head. Lord, I pray you stop that process. We sing the songs, we process, and so follow your heart is a belief that your heart is this compass inside you, that if you have the courage to follow it, it will direct you to your own true north. Ugh. 
It's a dangerous belief that says your heart is your true guide that will lead you to happiness if you just have the courage to listen and simply put, you're lost, but your heart will save you. Beautiful, isn't it? That's why they write songs and movies and stories about it. It sounds true. Until you come face to face with what your heart really tells you. More than likely, your heart has told you things even today that you wouldn't want to repeat. You're going, oh, where did that come from? Why am I thinking that? What? Whoa. That's our hearts. Let's get down to what that's really all about. Everything in life we believe in the deepest core of our hearts, a heart that exists without Jesus, that rebellious, fallen, broken heart, everything in life ought to serve my desires. And so we position ourselves and other people to make sure that happens. My heart likes to think the best of me and the worst of others. I'm good. You're not. Right? Unless, of course, those others happen to think good of me. Then, of course, they're awesome people because they think I'm awesome and I want to be around people that think I'm awesome. I would venture to say right here, I didn't interject this before, that we ought to be around people that think Jesus is awesome. Because when people think we're awesome more than Jesus is awesome, they won't tell us the truth. Probably because we're not telling them the truth. The heart. So if people don't think good of me or like me or simply disagree with me, well, then something must be wrong with them. You ever had those emotions and those feelings? That's your heart at work. Here's what can happen. While my heart is pondering my own amazing virtues and others' mistakes and errors because I'm right and they're wrong, it can easily find some immoral or horrible thought really attractive and we begin to live in what our heart says is true versus what is really true. The enemy of our soul uses the lies and the experiences of our life, good and bad, the vulnerable things that have happened, the horrible things that have happened, the experiences we have where the enemy plants lies. Those have become our experiences and our heart will use those to speak truths that are lies and lead us in shame and guilt. Do you know what keeps us from having good godly relationships is shame. The fact that we don't think someone will hear us and give us grace. You know why? Because in the church world there is I'm going to get a little righteously angry. Can I do this for a second? There is, there is self-righteousness and judgment and this sense that I'm better than you. Stop it. Now, right away, somebody in the self-righteous mode just went, yeah, but the Lord tells us we're supposed to judge each other. No, the Bible tells us we're supposed to love each other. And in the process of loving each other, we get to call out each other's fruit. And we get to lovingly say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. But we got to learn to invite people into that process, and you need to be invited. But when we come with judgment and self-righteousness as if we're better, let me open all of our hearts so we can all see that me too. We're just the same. We have our battles and our struggles. The reason the church isn't vulnerable and more connected is because we don't feel safe. And we don't feel safe because everybody acts like they're better. If you figured something out about your life and God, don't flaunt it. Come alongside people and love them as a result of how God loved you. Because here's the deal. We complain about the lack of connectivity, but nobody's willing to get vulnerable. But you do not have connectivity unless you have vulnerability. So accountability without vulnerability doesn't exist because you're holding people accountable to a lie that was never true in the first place. 
We've got to learn that if, this, if we can't be safe here, where can we be safe? We desperately need safe because we desperately need vulnerable. Because it's in the vulnerable moments of our life that God gets to speak truth and heal us. That's what he's all about. But the heart will run from that, especially in an American dream culture. The Bible never says, follow our hearts. Not even in Proverbs. I know you're probably looking. I think it might say it in, in Proverbs. Doesn't. The Bible actually tells us that our hearts are sick with a disease. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So when somebody says, you just don't know my heart, the response is, neither, neither do you. you. You may know your intentions, but the Bible says the heart is wicked. It's got a disease, and only God knows it. And so what we need to be doing is appealing to God with our hearts. Because he's promised to change us and transform us from the inside out and give us Jesus' heart. So how much of your heart is Jesus and how much of your heart is you? Wouldn't you want to know? Jesus, who is our great physician, gives us the horrible symptoms of the disease. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Those aren't good things. And how many of you have had those moments where you think something and you say, man, as a follower of Jesus, why would I even think that? And that's the attack of the enemy in the flesh and a heart that isn't surrendered and God's going, I can deal with that. I can work with that. I can change that. Here's what's true. No one or nothing, I'm going to say it really clear, no one or nothing lies to us more than our own hearts. How many of you know somebody that lies a lot? Right? You know, you know, you're picturing them right now. You're going, that person lies a lot, all kinds of things. Here, get this. No one or nothing lies to us more than our own hearts. And so we need to do everything in our power to, to surround ourselves with the God who loves us enough to know our hearts and the people that he's put in place to keep pushing us back to him. That's a need in all of us. So if our hearts are compasses, they don't tell us the truth. They just tell us what we want or what we've experienced. And so what you've experienced is rejection. So don't listen to what Dave is saying right now because the moment you start to be vulnerable, somebody's going to judge you. Somebody's going to talk about you. Somebody's going to gossip about you. You better not open up. Don't you go get friends who can help you follow Jesus better because they're going to reject you anyway. Just read somebody's mail, somebody's history, somebody's story. I'm telling you right now, there are people sitting in this church right now, there are people sitting in your life that would love to hear your vulnerability so they can share theirs. If our hearts are guides, they're not about the needs of others, are they? They're obsessively and compulsively selfish, steeped in guilt and shame. In all reality, if we do what our hearts tell us to do, we'll pervert and impoverish every good desire, every beauty, every good thing, every person, every wonder, every joy. Why? Because at our core, at the core, our heart wants to consume all these things for our own self-glory and our own self-indulgence. That's what it's about. Feel better, feel better, feel better, feel better. Feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good. Take care of you, take care of you, take care of you. And God's going, oh, I have something so much better for you, so much bigger than that. With a surrendered heart can experience. So your heart can't save you. Your heart can't save you. Your heart can't save you. I told kids all, all through my youth ministry years this lie. <laughs> I just realized a couple years ago it was a lie. But I preached it hard. I just want you to know that. I preached this lie really hard. 
Uh, I said right action over time will produce the right heart. Okay? Right action over time will produce it. You fake it long enough, you'll make it. Right? What you need to do is, you don't like to serve, that's fine. Start serving and serve a lot. And the more you serve, you're going to love to serve. You ever try that? Right action over time produces the right heart. It's a lie. Matter of fact, that's what religion is. That's what a lot of you are, are, are in. Trying to please God. Right action over time will not produce the right heart because if it could, we didn't need Jesus. We needed Jesus to come and give us his heart. Change us from the inside out. Create a new person so we can listen to Jesus and not ourselves. Are you tracking with me? We need to be saved from our hearts. So the human heart is not something to follow, but something to be led. Our hearts were not designed to be gods that we believe in. Our hearts were designed to believe in God. And so if we follow our hearts, they'll lead us straight to selfish misery and ultimate separation from God, and you won't even know there's a distance. Our hearts can't save us because what's wrong with our hearts is the heart of the problem. But if our hearts believe in God as they were designed to, then God saves us and leads us on a path of joy and delight. If we learn that I don't have to be talked into liking God, I just love him. Because he's changing me from the inside out. Don't put your belief in your heart. Put your belief in God. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. John 14.1 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Follow your heart. No. Okay, you should have said no before I did. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You believe in God. You, you don't have to worry about this. Just believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. Your heart will try to lead you. Don't follow it and definitely be careful listening to it. At some point as God begins to change us, we're listening and we're understanding. But in the listening, it's important to listen to your heart, to take notice of its wants and bring them good and evil to God. God, I have this one, but I also have this one. I bring these to you and I'm not sure what to do with them, but I confess and I request. And I surrender it to you. Why? Because only he knows your heart. See, isn't this great? Relationship was given as a gift. God said, I want a relationship with you through Jesus. Jesus has come so you can know your heart. So I can know your heart, and I can give you my heart, and I can help you see which is best. Relationship with God and with each other, God and the church. God says, I know your heart. It's why Jesus came, to give us a new heart. When we turn, when we turn toward Jesus and believe, we're given the Holy Spirit. So we're given this gift that helps us be led by God. Our hearts be led. The Holy Spirit does that. And the way he does that is through his word. That's why it's important to get into the word of God. Because it's the truth of the word of God that cancels the lies of the enemies in your heart. It's the truth of the word of God that helps you see who God is so that the idea of God that you have in your head that he's bad, that he's mad at you, that he doesn't like you, that he wants you to pay is changed to he's good and he loves you and he's got something great for you if you would just go for him. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us through his word and he speaks to us through each other. God has given us the gift of the church to say we get to, we get to speak to each other. We get to hear the voice of God through each other because we bring the word of God that is hidden in our hearts. It's why we do Bible studies. We don't do Bible studies so that we can keep each other vulnerable and have this. No, it doesn't often happen in that place. Some of you are like, I'm in a Bible study. This is good. No, I'm talking about getting in a place where you can have somebody who loves Jesus more than they love you and together you can fight the fight of faith together. 
that goes beyond just a marriage relationship. Here's my challenge. Do you have, and I'm talking to followers of Jesus this morning, do you have a group of Christian friends who have pledged themselves, hear those words, they're specific, to help each other fight the fight of faith and protect each other from the subtle invasions of sin that would harden our hearts and we don't even know it? Have you pledged that kind of love for one another that you have people in your life that are watching your life for you that love Jesus more than they love you but they love the Jesus in you and what God wants to do in you and they're championing your faith just as much as you're championing theirs. It's one of the greatest needs. I'm not saying you need it to be saved, but I do believe God's word is clear. And I want you to hear this. If you have no such group of comrades in the faith, then you are neglecting one of the means appointed by God for your preservation and endurance in the faith. And to neglect that means of grace is a very dangerous thing for your soul. Here's the truth. Jesus followers, people who obsess about Jesus more than they obsess about you are people you want around you. What we tend to do is surround ourselves with people who obsess about us. Those are the people that won't tell us the truth. Because they're afraid of what it will do to the obsession about us. They're afraid of what it will do to the relationship. But when you find people to surround yourself with that love Jesus more than they love you, they actually love you quite a bit. Because that's what Jesus does. So my goal this morning is very simple, to motivate you to rally, to belong to some smaller power-packed group of Christians where you can exhort and be exhorted to fight the fight of faith day in and day out. We got enough people in our life that will talk about superficial things, but what about the people who are championing our hearts? Who have said, you can come and bring anything you want. It won't change the way I think about you. And when you come, I will love you and give you grace, but I'll tell you the truth. Do you have that? David in the Bible had that. I want to share this story as I do want to bring a couple friends out. You've met them before, but I, I want to share this with you in a different way because I want to put something in front of us that I believe is an ideal. And we too often settle for the real when we need to chase the ideal, the thing that the reason God has put us together. David was anointed king over Israel, the second king. He would become the second king. He was just a small boy, a shepherd boy, and the prophet called him. And he came and he said, it's not any of your brothers, David, it's you. And he anoints David king over Israel, but yet Saul was the king. And so David came into the house of Saul and Saul was jealous of David. And so Saul decided he was going to kill David. And so for, for a long time, Saul is chasing David and after David to kill David, to destroy David because he didn't like David. And David finds himself in this place of despair where he is afraid and he knows that God has said this is what's going to happen, but he wonders if it's true. Is it really going to happen? Is God who he says he is? Is all of this true? He's hiding. He's afraid. He's scared. He has questions. He has doubts. But he has a friend. <laughs> named Jonathan. And in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15, it tells us what, what Jonathan does. And my question to you today is, do you have people like this in your life? 
David was afraid, verse 15, because Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh, and Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. The people in your life that you'll, if you risk to be vulnerable, the people in your life that want to do this will always know where you are. They'll always know where you are. And you'll come to a point in a relationship where you won't have to say anything. They just know. Jonathan knew where David was. He comes there and he strengthens his hand in God. Do you know what we're looking for? We're looking for people in our life that will do three things all the time. They will remind us of who God is. Jonathan did not come to David to strengthen his hand in himself. David, you can do this. David, you've done a lot of great things before. Muster up the strength, David. Stick in. Hang in there. You've done it before. You got this. You're good. You're good at this. No, he didn't at all. He didn't even come and strengthen his hand in himself. I'm here for you, buddy, and I'm good. He comes and he strengthens his hand in God. He reminds David who God is. That God is who he says he is. That he's a good God, that he's a loving God. And if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And so he comes to strengthen David's hand in the Lord. He reminds him of who God is. Do you have people in your life that are constantly reminding you of who God is? The next thing that happens, fear not for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king. The second thing he does is he reminds David of who he is. You will be king of Israel. You have been chosen. You are a child of God. You have people in your life that are constantly reminding you that you're not who the world says you are, but you are who God says you are. And so that thing that you're letting define you right now, that circumstance, that moment, those words, that event is not who you are, but you are a king. You are a child of God. He says, you will be king of Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained in Horesh, and Jonathan went home. Jonathan reminded David of who God is. He reminded David of who he was, and then he reminded him of the promise. Hey, David, do you remember way back when you were in the field and the prophet called you, and he said no to every one of your brothers, but when he got to you, he said yes, and he anointed you to be the next king of Israel. Do you remember the promise that God gave you? David, I don't care what the situation is right now. God has given you a promise, and if God gives you a promise, then he will follow through on that promise. So don't you be afraid, David, and don't you be weary, David, but you know that the God who loves you and called you will be faithful. No weapon formed against you, David, will prosper. Jonathan brings the word of God. And I'll bet when he left, he kind of goes, okay, my work is done. I'll see you in a little while. I'll bet David was lifted in spirit. Not dependent upon himself, but fully taken back to who God is. Who he is and what God is about to do. It's godly men and women in your life that exist to help you hear your heart and turn it towards Jesus. Hear your heart and turn it towards Jesus. Listen, I have, a, I have a, an amazing, where'd they go? I thought they were already out here. You guys can come on out. Close this up. I actually, I think I said, I think I said, yeah, if you can come on out. I feel like the couch gets further and further over there all the time. Let me, let me say this. I have an amazing wife who I have seen Jesus in more than anybody else in this world, she has shown me who Jesus is. By the way she lives, by the way she acts, by the way she pushes me always back to Jesus. Not to confidence in myself, not to confidence in her, not even confidence in our marriage, but confidence in God. And so a healthy marriage is a marriage where each person in that marriage push each other towards God. That's what a healthy marriage is all about. And, and we're learning to do that more and more all the time. That's what we want. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard to hear hard things from your spouse. 
but it's, it's good for us. But it's also important that we have people outside of our relationship with our husband and wife that we can process life with in a way that is life-giving, where these people love you, but they love God more. And two years ago, I found myself in a place, I'm just going to be transparent with you because maybe my vulnerability will help yours. I found myself in a place where I began to pray a dangerous prayer. I said, God, show me my heart. Because I'm finding signs and I'm seeing signs. If you change my mind, my mouth, and my mission, I'm seeing some things that don't line up with who you are. And I desperately want them to line up with who you are. And so show me my heart. And God began to reveal some things about my life and my heart that scared me to death. And I was talking with a friend of mine and he said, you need to make sure you have two or three guys in your life that know everything about you. And not only everything about you, but are ready to encourage you and champion you and love you. Who are the guys that have been there along the way that are those type of guys? And you need to surround yourself with them because when you surround yourself with people who will champion your heart for Jesus, you won't need to please everybody else. You won't need encouragement from anybody else. It will be coming from God, your wife, and those people. And when you have that, that's important. And you can follow after Jesus. So I called these three guys. Eric is not able to be here. Eric uh, Schroeder is here. Jason is here. Eric LaRue was not able to make it. He's living in Indiana. So for any of us that would make the excuse that, you know, I've got some people like this, but they don't live here. Eric lives in Kentucky. The other Eric lives in Indiana. Jason is right here. So every Monday, we're together on Zoom, video, video conferencing, checking in, talking about our lives, processing what God is doing and what God is saying, because it's important that we keep each other believing. And, it, and I began to think, who are the people that as I shared who I am and my struggles and my battles over the years, they have loved me for who I am. They haven't judged me. They haven't been self-righteous, but they've shown me grace and they've shown me love and they've told me truth. And these three guys came to mind. I called them together to a restaurant and I said, listen, this is going to appear really selfish, but I need you to champion my heart. I, I want to follow Jesus with everything in me, but I can't do it by myself. My wife is championing my heart for Jesus. God is championing my heart, but I need you. He gave me the church so that I could have you. And so we've been on this journey. This may not be what it looks like in the beginning for you, but this is what it can look like. And we're learning. We're kind of finding ways to, we're stumbling through this and we're processing, but we keep each other believing. We keep pushing each other towards the Savior that is changing us from the inside out. And we're beginning to see our minds and our mouths and our missions look more like Jesus. But I want you guys to just share real quick with the, with the gang. What is it? That, that God has been saying and doing in your life as a result of this type of relationship that we're describing? What I think is so core to this working is it, we could have come into this for friendship. We came into this for one reason and one reason alone, to get closer to the identity of who Christ is. Now, God blesses that because he's developed tremendous relationship, yeah. right? But the reality is if we come in, I, I will disappoint you as a friend. Ultimately, mm -hmm. someday I'll disappoint you as well. Just get ready, it'll mm -hmm. happen. But if we have that view of we want to be more Christ-like, more sanctified, and I'm inviting people in, now that starts to happen because the Holy Spirit's always working. Right. The word is available to us, but I can't, recreate this with some facsimile that that doesn't work i i need you guys because you actually help me with those two other factors mm -hmm. that are are speaking to me how god is speaking to me and let let me illustrate it through through an example because i think transparency is power if i was to put it in you know some term like that and Here's how it played out for me, and this is how these guys helped me with something that um, the image of this is not going to look very good. 
to you in the context. Think of it, if you don't know who I am, was an elder here at Alpine, led men's ministry. Somewhat recently, my wife went through a mental health issue. She's given me the, the uh, okay to share this with you. It was um, obsessive compulsive disorder, and it was tremendously hard on her, myself, and the family. Through that process, um, I didn't love her well at all through it. I had my moments up and down, but by and large, I didn't. And I was, I was torn up about it, but I was still holding on to it. And in a, in a moment, God got a hold of me and said, Eric, how can you love my people if you can't even love your wife? Know on that one a little bit, you know, personally, you know, in a, in a sense of what, okay, God, what do I do with that? Because everything that I had kind of built this upon, the, you know, my, my male image, the strength that we try to show, and then the fake side of it, I couldn't reconcile it. I couldn't reconcile because it, it felt dirty. And then God brought these relationships together. And this, this is a long journey, right? That something like that, you don't turn around in a day. Yep. Right? That's something that I have to open that up to some, some guys that I'm going to trust, right? And I will say, you know, it sounds really great that I can share this with you in this forum. It wasn't like that a while ago. I didn't even want to admit it to you guys right. on some level. You know, the other spin I put on this, and if I can, I'm going to speak to the, the women in the room. Um, one, um, that's something I needed a process outside of my marriage. You know, that's something that was in part of my marriage, and it makes my marriage better because of that. The second thing I'd say is, as men, we've got a lot of history in being strong and strength-filled. And for us to get to that vulnerable moment, it, it, we're, <laughs> we've got a lot of history to overcome on that. My encouragement, and maybe even the watch for women, you are so amazing, but you're at this point where your, your strength is, you're, you're being asked to do so many things. Don't make the same mistake we did and isolate yourselves because it, it's a harder path to get to after you've been in it for so long and you have that opportunity um, to shift that. It's a, for me, what, this is an amazing experience for me because I haven't lived all the time with these, these friendships and this depth. Uh, and when God brings that to you, it, it's, it's a gift. It's truly a gift and you need to exercise it, so to speak. And uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, what, what this really unlocked for me was the ability to have people behind me that I knew believed in me, that were armor bearing for me, but not just as friends, as Eric said. We're, we're championing my heart for Jesus. We're saying, hey, no matter what you're walking through, and I'll share in a minute a story that I walked through that was, and it's, I'm walking through it, and it's an interesting, I'm not walking through it, I'm rolling through it. Um, but I've been battling that, and there's no way I would have even wanted to process it if I didn't have the comrade of arms. I didn't have these guys behind me championing my heart pointing me back to Jesus because at the end of the day, his greatness is what's going to get us all through. And uh, so as, as you know, and most of you see me rolling around here now in a wheelchair, that's new. That's incredibly new. But the cause of that isn't new. It's been an 18-year battle and 32 surgeries. And, uh, but I'm here today 
now coming to church in a wheelchair, now doing life part-time in a wheelchair, because I have people in my life. I have my wonderful wife. I have my kids. And that you get the sense as a man and that you're going to, they love you no matter what because they're your family. But you build up this, this image of what does the outside world think? And then you start to believe your flesh that it, it's important for you to uphold this manly image or uphold a image, mm-hmm. whether it's a man or a woman, just an image. And the reality is, is that God doesn't care about my image. He didn't want my body. He didn't want my legs. He didn't care what I looked like. He wanted my heart. And it took me having a group of guys like this and Eric LaRue, who's not here, to finally say, man, you're not getting it. On some level, you're not getting it. That God didn't care about your body. He wanted your heart. And I need you to start believing that. And I sent out a text after some processing. And I said, on a Tuesday, I said, listen, I said, I'm I'm considering going into a wheelchair. I said, because... These canes that a doctor gave me, these were my hope for a long time. Therapy was my hope. Treatment was my hope. Surgery was my hope. And my family was incredible walking me through that journey. But it took people like this to say, hey, those aren't your hope. Your hope's in Jesus. And wherever you find yourself to be the most happy, that God can speak to you the most, that's where you need to be. So on that Tuesday... They said, we're going to pray till Monday, till our Zoom call, and we're going to tell you what God said. And they affirmed the fact that I am a better Jason, and I have a better heart redirected towards Jesus being in a wheelchair. And I live in that space today. I live in that space today because I had people in my life that I took the time out to be vulnerable with, they took the time out to be transparent with me. And at the end of the day, I now am excited about what the rest of my life looks like, whether it's being pushed, whether it's pushing myself, and whatever it is. And you, you guys tell me what's really great about that story is, yeah, you, you felt so strongly we got to pour into you, but the, the reciprocal nature of that, to see you out like playing tennis now mm-hmm. and going, Man, he's he's like in his wheelchair. This, this is yeah. real. Yeah. You know that that's that that's the reciprocity that comes back. That that like the reciprocal nature of that. Yeah, it's, that it's the, it's that the inspires gift. me when I'm throwing a yeah. pity party for myself and because it, I'm not loving people. Yeah, and it's similar to your story, Eric, when you said you know how how to love your wife better. Yeah. We learn from those moments. So when you put people in your life that that you can be vulnerable with and that transparent with you're going to learn from that because there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need to love your wife better or your husband better or just those people in your life. So I agree. It's awesome. Well, re- really quick, if you could just say to everybody listening in, this is why I would recommend everybody, even if it's just the beginning, pursue having these kinds of relationship in your life. Why would you tell them that's important? And I, I said quickly because, um, yeah. Um. We're not going to do a four-hour service, so everybody can rest easy. I wasn't the one that talked for 30 minutes beforehand. But <laughs> That's how it is. We're just trying to give you a view on how it is on Monday. Um, you, know, the, you, you know, if we can give anything to you, I mean, this, this is real. And what I can't imagine now after having this and tasting this and seeing the benefit, and we lead busy lives. I'm trying to 
you know, take this from the vantage point of sitting in the spot you are going, you know, I'm struggling with time and I'm struggling with the concept of transparency. You, you got to be willing to let that go for something greater if you think of the theme of all this. Just okay is not okay. And I'm telling you, what I've experienced before is okay. And when you experience amazing, mm -hmm. you never want to go back. Mm -hmm. And amazing because it is right, it is true, and God is so good in it. Once, once you have it, you never want to, you, you never want it to go again. And I'll, I'll just point it back to something practical. Uh, you know, I shared it a huge, I was able to process a life-changing, once-in-a-lifetime experience that I was able to, but I also get the opportunity on a, on a daily or a weekly basis to share the simple things in life that if you don't take care of them, become larger things because they start to stack up. So when it's the things going on with your kids or the things going on with your wife or, uh, you know, work issues or things, when they start to stack up, all of a sudden it becomes a big issue. So it gives you an arena. It gives you a space where you can, you can share those smaller issues to say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I don't want, I don't want to worry about this anymore. I want to do what's right. I want to be just in this moment. I want, it, I want God to lead me in this moment. So whether it's parenting I've shared a lot, you know, processed a lot, whether it's being a husband, whether it's being a, a better friend. And uh, just, so those are the things, that, the real tangible things that you can grab out of a great relationship like this. Because all of a sudden it gives you a space where you feel free to share constantly, whether mm -hmm. it's big or small. So. Can we say thanks just to the guys? So let me say this in closing, maybe to wrap our heads around this. Any relationship that is not pushing you towards Jesus will always be just okay. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's the relationship with the people around you, and it's not that we don't have relationships with all kinds of people. I have mentors. I have close friends. I'm married to somebody who pushes me all the time towards Jesus. I've got a couple guys that I've intentionally brought into my life and said, Let's keep each other believing. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is just a value-add proposition to your life, just a convenience, this won't phase you and you won't do this. That's fine. But there are those of us sitting here and we're saying, no, 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 no. This is about surrendering my heart to God so that one day I spend an eternity. So I actually get to enjoy God now. And I want to surround myself with people that will help me do that. The way you start that journey, because this may be further down the road, the way you start that journey is to begin to be the friend you want in your life, to begin to help people remember who God is, help people know who they are, remind people of the promises, and when you begin to do that, God will begin to bring you people because people want and need to hear it all. And so if you're in this room, I would ask everybody to stand, if you're in this room, and you would just simply say, you know what? Maybe this is the thing missing, and I'm not sure where it's going to from, come from or who the person is. I know i got a lot of insecurities. I need to lay those down. God, you got to help me with those. I have shame. I have preconceived ideas. I have lies. I have selfishness. But I know that I know that as a husband and wife, I need to do better at pushing my spouse towards Jesus. But I need some women in my life, or I need some men in my life that will champion my heart. And God, I need you to bring those to me. I need you to help me discover those. I need you to open that door. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Because I want to pray for you. You're saying, man, that is me. Man, that, uh, 
God, I think you're going to do something pretty crazy in our hearts. I think you're going to begin to surround us with each other in a way we've never, we've never sought or experienced. God, ultimately, you know our hearts, and you've given us the Holy Spirit. You said you're going to walk with us. We have you, and we have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God and uses the people of God to move us in that journey. And so I pray right now that the hands that went up, and, and people say, I want that, that God, you will begin a work in their hearts right now, in this moment, to know that on our own, we cannot accomplish it. But with you leading us, and you guiding us, and you transforming us, and people around us putting Pushing us towards you every moment of every day because we need that in our life. We will find ourselves one day like Jesus. And so, God, I pray that you would answer these prayers however they're being prayed. And if our prayers are even prayed from a heart that is twisted, help us twist it to the right prayer that would simply say, God, bring me the people. Bring me the friendships that I can trust and can trust me to go on a journey of knowing and following a God who loves us so much. He just wants us to be like him. And I pray, God, that you would cause all kinds of stories to come out of this and that you would, you would be honored and glorified through our relationships. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. Thanks for taking the time to listen and honor and may you find what you're looking for.